Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back again, and this one, here it is. Are you ready? There's no, I should have looked up like a drum roll sound effect or something. Maybe it's not too late. It probably is too late. I'd get way too, this is it, Townsend. This is. Yeah. Oh, nobody heard you say that because your microphone is turned down, uh, and I'm not cutting that go. out. Yeah. What better way? Yeah. <laughs> what better way to mark having done this for 52 weeks than to show that I still don't know what I'm doing? Woo-hoo. You are here, and you are a part of the 52nd one year. This is the last one of season one, the episode of Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man. I even, I don't, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I need rest, I guess. I don't know. Guys, it is episode 52. We are excited to be here, and I want to say what might eventually be repetitive, but we wouldn't be here if you weren't here also. And so we are super thankful for one whole year. It's more than a calendar year, but COVID and an ice storm kept us from being on that kind of schedule. But this is 52 times God has allowed Townsend and I to gather together and do this, and for you to gather with us. And I I couldn't possibly be able to tell you how grateful I am that you're here, that you share this with people, that you interact about it, and and guys, just great things happening, and we we appreciate you far more than all this stuff and these knobs and buttons and things that I still don't know how to do 100% right, but... How are you feeling, Townsend? It's I a, am great. It's kind and of a I rainy too day, am huh? just, It's like a surreal feeling to realize that you've been sitting here and you've recorded 52 episodes, most of which neither of us aware, are aware of what we're saying in the moment. So <laughs> I need yeah. to just go ahead and point that no, out to co- you guys. It's contagious. See, it now you're is, like me. Yes. But I do want to say this. Y'all, this first season has been such a blessing for me, too, to be able to dive into the Bible and read about things and answer questions or try to... Um, to voice my opinion and be corrected on some things and just the whole nine yards has been a wonderful experience and I encourage you like if you see a topic that you think may not apply to you just hit listen because we are just normal folks and we're going to bring our lives into each and every episode and so even if it's a topic that you're like I just really don't think that's a good one that that's going to apply to my life I beg you to listen and then Send us one that will apply if you yep. if you think of it. But guys, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for just joining in Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man. There we go. <laughs> and um, I just want you guys to keep sharing, keep growing, keep doing, keep pursuing Jesus. Amen. Now, let me tell you what, what I have in store for season two. Now, it's not going to happen right off, but so... I teach a Bible class, and I, I asked, I, I make my students fill out a journal entry every week. And last week's journal entry was super summarized. You have the attention of the entire world. What do you want to say? So I gave them a premise like every podcast, every radio, every TV, every TikTok account, they would all be forced to be tuned in to you speaking to the world all at once. What are you going to say to them? We talked about what they wrote today in class, and I told them if they are willing to come into my little sound room here and record with me what they wish the world would hear, that I would make it possible for at least more than their classroom size to hear it. So, I love that. Second season will have, if, if, and I told them, of course, I had to bait them. <laughs> so I was like, I'll give you five points on your final exam if you do it. 
And more of them seemed interested than I figured, but I told them if they would schedule it with me, I would put it. So we might have a couple of weeks where we have two episodes a week, one like normal and one special edition that is the most important thing according to whoever that student might be. So that's, I'm trying to work that out just to get uh, other voices on here. and, And then that'll give, you know mom and dad something to hear and show people look my kids on the internet so yes uh, and honestly that in and of itself starts dabbling into what our topic is today right from the have to serving the lord to the get to and this is such an opportunity for a young group of people to be able to know exactly how their words can be used to get to serve Jesus. exactly and and you guys i mean for every one of you out there who is a member of Listenerland, you are counted amongst some of the most important people in my life. And I don't even know who you are, but I, I told them, I said, the world won't be listening, but people that you don't know will be. And so it's your opportunity to tell them what you think is most important. And, you know, um, you've heard people reference and say before, oh, out of the mouth of babes. But some of these students are extremely insightful. And so I, I kind of look forward to the ones who are willing to come up here. I'm even still trying to get my wife to to come on here once but she's still she's still gun shy so uh you know one of you guys could call and be on here too i I gotta figure out how to do that but it's it is possible with this thingy over here today is in fact our topic our goal our target our hope is to have something to say that gets you thinking or gets us thinking even about the problem we have today with the stuff we have to do and changing that into the stuff that we get to do So my little note reminds me that it's time, and it really is. So bad news in the Christian front. Another Christian leader um, made a public post where they renounced their faith and said they were no longer Christian, and then they took that video down. So I don't know, does that mean they're changing their mind? I don't know what it means, but this is somebody who has seminary degrees and writes for the Desiring God uh, organization that John Piper started. This is a protege of John Piper, and just about three or four days ago made a public renunciation of his faith. It's not uh, an easy time here lately with the number of well-known Christians who have backtracked on that. Um, It's time that real, true people of faith take hold of the good pleasure we can find in doing what God asks us to do and move away from this idea of Christianity is nothing but a bunch of have to, a bunch of obligation. Oh, I have to do that because I'm a Christian. No. What is it? What can I do? How can I move away so that I could end up saying, oh, because of my faith and because of my relationship, I get to do whatever that, that something might be. This is an avid part of who I am as a pastor. This is an avid part of the ministry I'm a part of with Townsend here at this church that we're a part of. But it's more than just this little local thing. It is the whole of the Christian church realizing that we were set free for the gift of being active in our freedom active to get to do the things that God has asked us to do. So Townsend, you tell me, because I know my journey and I want everybody to hear yours and mine. How do you feel like you've moved along that line of like, would you agree that Christianity starts out for us on some level as, well, I have to do that. Like yep. I have to be forgiving. Yes, I have and to I do. think it's a little bit of a roller coaster within yourself because you constantly have things working against that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. ultimate desire that God has for you to want to do it and to long to do it. Not only just want surface deep, but a deep desire to do it. 
um, there's things that are going to be thrown at you from the devil from every corner to tell you don't want that, Mm -hmm. don't want that. So let me be clear before I start speaking. It's not like one day magically I was like, oh, I get to do this now. It is a beautiful (laughs) thing. Like it didn't happen like that. I mean, over the course of the last five to six years, my overall outlook on church life um, serving versus being served mm-hmm. in inside the church doors, um, those things have completely changed yeah. um, toward what I firmly believe that God has called me to do mm-hmm. as a Christian believer. Um, I do want to add this in about you know you touched on the whole renouncing the faith thing, and I need to make. I need to make this statement, too. I'm taking a moment from your student idea of what I want the world to hear me say, but you're always going to hear those kinds of things first. Mm -hmm. But while we may hear of one renouncing his faith, there are plenty others turning their hearts over to Jesus Christ because of missionaries out in the field, whether it's abroad or here, and people learning what it feels like to be loved by a Savior that sacrificed his life for us every single day. There are people every single day turning their hearts toward Jesus Christ that you will never hear about because, I mean, the devil makes certain that those things aren't on the platform. Right. You know, that's, so we can't like, get discouraged. That is super important for somebody like me who thinks like me to hear because I hear, I, I saw, I didn't see the information or the article until yesterday about, and I, I, I don't remember his name, which is fine. It doesn't even matter, but... You know, I hear that. I think there's another one. There it goes. And I I look at all the statistics and I get all upset about that. But you're right. There are nameless, countless of us who are living a life of faith that is changing the lives of others. And those people don't make the news. Those people don't get articles written about them. And and I firmly believe, too, if you if you are a true follower of Christ and I'm not talking about a fan. Some of you know the book that I'm referring to, not a fan Mm -hmm. that kind of changed my view on some things of myself. I had to really take a self check for a moment. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about a true blue follower of Christ, not by just the words you say, but by the life you live. Mm -hmm. If you get to a point where you renounce your faith, I question if you ever had it. Well, and the Bible says if they leave us, they were never of us. But that gets, it is difficult to listen to people who don't come to that decision lightly. And, you know, there's there's been plenty. um, But it is interesting that the kids, I I had a good time in class today, which not that that's, not that that's, well, it's more random than it, or it's more rare than it should be. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be done is what the case is. I need summertime. But. Uh, I asked them about give, about coming on here with with us or with me uh, because you would make them nervous. They already said they don't want to say it in front of people. And so my setup, because I'm always trying to set them up, I want them to think. Uh, I asked them why, if I, if I could guarantee you an audience of 25 people, because give or take, that's about the size of their class. I said, would you say it in front of them? No. Why? Why wouldn't you say it in front of people? If it's, the, if, you know, the premise was the whole world's going to hear it, but why wouldn't you physically speak it in front of that number of people? And they said two reasons. One, because the people would be looking at them. And two, because they might make a mistake. Gotcha. Which is gotcha. fine. And and you know what? There are far more of us right now as a part of this podcast moment who are scared of public speaking than there yes. are people comfortable with it, right? But I told them, I said, well, it's funny. You wouldn't speak in front of people because A, people are watching you and B, you might make a mistake. But you live in front of people every day and people are watching you and you make mistakes. 
And nowhere in the Bible does it say that God wants me to give a speech, but everywhere it tells me about living a life. Yes, absolutely. And so that is this topic. Like, you're not asked. That's a problem I think we suffer from in Christianity. You're not asked to live a certain way. You're actually commanded to live a certain way. Yes. And then we decide whether or not it's that important that we actually make changes. But Paul wrote to the Galatians, and as he's coming towards the end of that book or letter, in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, what does that mean? It was for freedom that Christ set us free, if not something about being free to do what Jesus wants of us, yes. right? Because all the time the Bible in the New Testament is talking about us being a slave to the law or a slave to the flesh, and so it's for freedom. I know that sounds kind of weird when you think about it, for freedom you were set free, but freedom of what? Freedom to do the things that God wants me to do. I'm free to do that. I get to do it. In other words, I can't and boy, this is a re- really weird rub in the world we live in today, but I can, I can love without Jesus, but I can't truly love without Jesus. Amen. So when somebody comes up to me and says, so you're saying someone who doesn't believe in Jesus can't do anything good? No, I'm not saying that. They can do like a reflection of it. But they can't they can't be close to the truth of it without the truth. Well, because yeah, they don't understand the full meaning right. of it. I can I could have loved my wife every day of my life without Jesus, but I can't truly love her without the Lord in my life, without having been set free. And clarify it's based on your design by the one who made you. Right. So that's that's the real reason you can't fully love without him because he's the one that gave it to you. He's mm-hmm. the one who can explain it to you. He's the one that can show you. And mm-hmm. without him, you're living a dull side of it. It's like claiming that you know mathematics when you only know addition. Yeah. Like Well, and we do that all the time. We do that you know, all the time. <clears throat> ask people if they've read, you know, Ben Hur or they read some big thing they'll be like, "Oh yeah, because they've heard it their whole life. They think they've read it." And so we, because we think we know uh, the elementary level, then we're, we're ready to run the marathon. So why does this even matter? Why does getting to do something versus having to, do, having, having to do something matter? Well, there's a verse in the Bible that has caused a lot of consternation. And one of my, actually my, one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of James, Martin Luther, if you know who that is, the father of the Protestant Reformation, he hated this book. He didn't actually want it to have to be in the Bible And very famously, he said it was a right straw epistle. I guess that means it just stuck him in an uncomfortable way. But the book of James is direct, and that's why I like it. The brother of the Messiah was not wasting time telling it like it was. And in chapter 2, he begins to write about faith and work. And so there's this question of, do I have to do certain things, or do I get to do them? And he says this, what use is it, my brothers, if someone says they have faith, but they have no work. In other words, they say they believe in Jesus. They don't do anything that proves that. Can that faith save him? Can, uh, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and be filled, but you don't give them what is necessary for their body, of what use is that? And then here it is, the straw in the straw epistle. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Now, there are those who have taken that verse and applied it as to mean that clearly the brother of the Christ is saying, 
it isn't just belief that makes you saved. You, you have to do something. Some people have taken that to mean that you have to be baptized or you have to speak in a certain way or you have to do certain activities during the year. But is that what that means? So I want to quote you from Sunday, and I want to – you probably don't recall that you said this, so I'll reiterate what he said, guys, so he will know and y'all will know. Um, But he made the statement on Sunday, or rather the question, you may know God, you may know Jesus Christ, but the true question is, does he know you? Okay, so my in connecting this together is if you sit happily in your chair with your Bible in your lap and you have never actually gotten up on your feet and pursued Jesus Christ, like got up and chased after him, Mm -hmm. did the work he's called you to do, your mind knows who Jesus Christ is, your mind knows who God is, but when you get up and with your hands and feet go to work, it becomes very clear that Jesus obviously knows who you are, and then it all kind of fits into place. Mm. It's like you you set in your little comfort zone and your safety net. Just last night in my Bible study um, with my girls, my, my horse girls, mm-hmm. there was a question, why does God hate complacency? And what about the sacrifice is it that helps you grow in Christ? And it literally hit me like a ton of bricks you know, we tend to want complacency. Oh, yeah. I mean, we tend to long for that. Mm-hmm. But in in the real world, when we're working for God, that's just not what we get. Right. And so it's so hard when you're watching the work happening from afar for it not to look like a fun thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the midst of the work, it is the most fulfilling place I ever find myself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just such a hard thing to describe, and that's what goes back to you can't truly know. And and the famous saying of all the days of all the things these days of if you know you know. Yeah. And so that applies here, you know. Yeah. And, and so, but in order for you to get to the know, you have to take the first step. Well, and <clears throat> you you describe somebody with sitting with the Bible, you know, in their in their lap, and they've. they've you take them from a lounge chair in their house and put them into a pew, and you're describing American Christianity. We've gotten really, really good at teaching, training, and recruiting armchair quarterbacks yes. in the mission of Christ, where we're not going to do it, but I can tell you that you did it wrong. Now, or, I had to start there. Yeah. I had to start there because the Word is in and of itself the reason that caused my feet to ever move to begin mm-hmm. with. So I'm not saying if you are sitting in the chair that you're in the wrong place. You're exactly where you have to be to gain the knowledge, Right. but then it's what you do with it. Well, it's yeah, like no one ever goes to college or get a, gets a doctorate, or I didn't get my master's degree to stay in that same desk. Right. Well, I, it's, it's plenty of places in the New Testament where it says you should be further than this. You know, Very yes. famously in the book of Hebrews, where he said, I want to talk more about that, but I can't. Because you guys just want to talk about the simple stuff, and I want to move on to the meat of all of this. And so there's all over the place is this idea of you're supposed to have been growing in this stuff. But here here this stick is, this rub, where is Jesus sufficient, and so everything I do now is because I have a relationship with him? Or do I do the stuff I'm trying to do because I want a relationship with him? And I need everybody listening to me to understand that James 2.17 is not an argument for you to say, oh, I have to do this. 
So I have to uh, pick one. You know, people, <laughs> you got to tell people to tithe, and that's one of the ones we normally feel like we have to do. It takes a, that, I don't know why, that's the one that it seems to take the spirit longest to move you to the get to part. Like, you know, to find joy in tithing takes a long time. Well, uh, but you know, that goes back to the question you first asked me that I never really answered. I'm sorry about that, but you asked about me getting to that point to where I felt like I have to, to I felt like I get to. When I started, I got involved with Bible school first mm-hmm. and then somehow got roped into some other activities within the church and then somehow got roped into doing the youth. And if you'll notice, the words I'm saying is getting <laughs> roped in. So, like, I didn't go into it like, oh, I just so want to go there and just start I want to take over their youth program. Like I didn't come here feeling like that. I felt like at first I'm like, I'm getting roped into this and I don't know if I'm ready. But once I was in, once I was in and I saw the need Mm -hmm. and I always say, if you don't know where the forks are in your church, you really shouldn't be able to have a say in anything else that goes on. (laughs) Once I learned where the forks were here, Uh that means I was like helping serve dinner at night and, and doing and planning and, you know, I know where all the scissors are now and Mm -hmm. the cups and the forks and the everything. Then there was never a question about my money because I knew exactly how it was being used. Mm -hmm. And so it all is a chain of events, a chain effect. Like it all tied in together. Now I tie that's set up on a weekly thing. We've talked about that at drafts. And so I I just want it to just continue to do that so long as my check goes into the right account, not the wrong one that's happened several times. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I want that to be clear too. Is like it didn't start out with me longing for that. Yeah. Well, all everything about so you have big Bible words like justification, sanctification, glorification, all these things, and 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 you do, that's not a matter to use those words. But you're talking. What you're talking about is the the process of sanctification. If you've ever heard somebody say before, "I was saved, I am saved, and I am being saved." Down here, my refinement, if I want to use that word, is a process. It is a journey. So I, I recognize that not all of us have moved fully from that I have to do this to I get to do this. And it is very simple, especially in a younger, like in normal life, you have to turn off the lights when you leave the room. Well, that becomes just something you do, right? And that's part of education. But in your Christian life, there's this disconnect from I have to do that because Jesus said, Versus, I get to do that because Jesus said. Yes. And that verse in James is always a sticking point because people say, no, no, no. See, you have to do it or you have dead faith. But that's not what the man was saying because you can, you have to read past 2.17 and look at the examples he starts using. One of them is Rahab, famously known as Rahab the harlot. That's how you always want to be remembered. <laughs> but she helps the spies of Israel infiltrate Jericho. And then she lets them out the window of, of her dwelling place, Right. And he, and he says of that event, of that situation, that she was justified, meaning you knew that her faith was real, that she did actually fear, meaning believe and trust Yahweh, because of what she did. Yes. Not that she believed since she did that. And I hope you understand the difference. So in other words, the person he gives the example of, somebody comes to you and they're naked and hungry, and you simply say to them, peace be with you, go and be fed. Well, do you actually want them to be fed? Because if not, then your faith is in question. Based on your action, no, you don't, because you didn't feed them. Right. You didn't clothe them. And so James isn't saying, James is 
trying to help us see that how you behave is an act of justifying what's in your heart. Yes. So then I need this journey of I have to do this, I have to do this too. Thank you that I get to do this. You know, because we miss the fact that our faith is a faith of work, but it isn't a work-based faith. Yes, okay? you, you said that perfectly. I get to do these things. My faith is a work. I work it, okay? And that is all throughout the New Testament. And so I go back to Galatians 5 because I love to be reminded, maybe you've heard before plenty of times, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's what he says after that that I love so much. Not that those things are, you know, who cares? Those are great things. He says, against such things, talking about those love, joy, peace, patience, he said, against those things, there is no law. Now, these people that he's writing to were very familiar with Jewish law about the have-tos. You have to do this, and you have to not do this. You have to do that over there, and on certain days of the week, you have to not do this over here. But Paul said, but the fruit of the Spirit, the stuff that God wants us to do, love people, be patient with people, be kind to people, be good to people, there is no law. There is no have-tos on this occasion and have-not-to over here. You can do it all the time. You can do it whenever, all, ever, anywhere, everywhere, there's no rules about it. And it's so infectious right. to constantly do those things. And then that kind of brings me to my overall attitude. I tend to be a little bit more on the my way or the highway, get a little bit perturbed when things don't go just exactly like I want them to, possibly mm-hmm. a huff and a puff here and there about, huh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, someone one day I was – I was in the midst of doing something good, yeah. but my attitude was kind of bad. And so someone just quoted to me, they were like, you need to just go to Philippians mm-hmm. for a minute. And what Philippians says, I want to share this to y'all because I have to read this to myself like on the weekly. Like I have to constantly remind myself of this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing <laughs> so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped, crooked generation that you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Now, that's the NIV version. But the part that I really want you to focus on is, and I read fast through it, is the do everything without grumbling or arguing. And like that doesn't say do this, this, and this, but it's okay with this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Everything is the main word there. And I have to remember that even the hard stuff that I'm doing, even some things that have not one single thing to do with our church Mm -hmm. still has something to do with God in the way that I handle it. Whether it has anything at all to do with a biblical situation, as far as a church learning, whatever with church, how I handle myself is still always God-related and has to be done so according to the Bible. And so without grumbling, without complaining, also goes into you know that idea of, of your work and, and your faith being dead. If you make it a constant habit to handle the way you handle God's business— mm-hmm a constant habit of the way you handle God's business to be done so in joy, you will then do it in joy without even realizing it. Well, you know, it's funny. The things that you start to grumble about are the things you start to hate doing. Yes. Like, 
I've and it's uh, my wife and I talk about this sometimes in things in ministry like they cycle like someone you can you can give someone a new mission a new purpose and you're like look I'm asking if you're interested in this for the long haul and in the beginning all of us always are but something happens at the end and the person is no longer in love with it and we call that being in d- different seasons and that's fine but it's funny that it's everything's fine until the grumble r- arrives. Yes. And that's when it changes from I get to go to church and do blah, 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 to I have to go to church and do blah, blah, blah. And I will tell you, I will tell anybody who asks me, if I overhear somebody say, now, I, you know, in, in language we say, oh, I have to go to church and blah, blah, blah. I don't mean that. But like when I can tell that somebody means I am obligated now to go do something, I will tell that person, hey, you know what? We, you sh- we, we need to take a break. You need to not yes. do that. And and that's one thing I can say about here that a lot of people don't believe me when I say this, but I have a lot of responsibilities within the church walls, whether it's um, facilitating a video of Sunday school or overseeing that the youth group gets some sort of biblical lesson on Wednesday nights mm-hmm. to helping with distribution to just attending and, and serving or helping with a shower or mm-hmm. whatever may go on. But, you know, just last week, Wednesday was one of the worst days that I've had in a long time. Mm. I walked upstairs, told the other person who helps with the youth, I was supposed to teach. And I said, I can't teach. And basically was like, okay, you're good. Mm -hmm. Walked out, left church, ended up being called back for the surprise (laughs) birthday of, of musings. But... Um, nonetheless, you and the other people in this church never make me feel like in the moment that I can't just walk away. And so I think sometimes we forget you get to, mm-hmm. which means you also are allowed to say, hey, I can't right now. That's, I need a break for a minute. Okay. So see, you're working towards exactly where I want everybody who's a part of this conversation to get to, which is there is no law against these things. Yes. So if there's a time where you're like, I can't. There's no okay, you know, yes. this such a crime that we think we can't say no anymore. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. You can take anything and push it too far cuz some of us that's the only word we know to say. Right. No. <laughs> but, you know, if you're if you realize I get to do this, but today is just a day I can't do it. Okay. There's no law that says you have to. Absolutely. The freedom, again, this this weird statement, the freedom of being free that I can say I can't I can't be a part of this right now, but, you know, because Take you, you know, all the different ministries that go on at this church. There are people who can be a part of them on this week, but then the next time it happens, they can't be a part of it for whatever reason. Well, there's no reason to to throw shame on them or to throw garbage on them. Yet I'd be willing to wager that there are some of us stuck in the have tos of serving God. That when we don't do that thing we feel like we have to do, then here comes the tsunami of guilt yes. about what a bum I am. And I, see, I'm not even good at being a Christian. See, I knew this wasn't worth it. And next thing, you, I'm, obviously, I'm taking it too far. But the next thing you know, you're making a TikTok video renouncing your faith. Yes. And you know that this applies to every area of your life. Mm-hmm. So as you're conducting yourself out there in the world, at your job, at parenting, at whatever it is that you're doing, that you're supposed to be doing to glorify God, you're going to have a moment where you've quit glorifying God because you've gotten so bitter and mm-hmm. you need to step back where you can put yourself back in a place where you can be glorifying God in that action. Right. And so like for me, 
the horse situation was another one that I had to step back from. Mm -hmm. You know, I had went from enjoying that scene to just miserable, grumbling, arguing, griping. And and that's something that my family is able to do and glorify God in being involved with children. Um, Other families were no longer seeing God as a staple for me because things were going on in my presence that I do not agree with, and it didn't seem that anybody realized that. So I knew I was not making a clear statement on where I stood, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm because I had just gotten so, yeah, you know. And so this applies to everything. Everything that you go to do, your actions are supposed to be done. You are working heartily for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You are working heartily for the Lord in every single thing that you go to do. It's not about the property you're on when you're doing it. Exactly. It's not the walls you're behind because that's a – that's like a crime of convenience. We have the gift of having churches being built and properties and our buildings and our things that go on on the property, but that is a building and that is property. You yourself are the church, and so you're, like Townsend is saying, you're supposed to be doing this everywhere all the time. There's a reason that Paul wrote the word everything yes. and didn't write most things or yes. some things. He wrote everything, and he wrote it more than once. Yes. You know, that's not the only spot in that section where he says, you know, do everything as un- as though you do it unto the Lord or everything work hardly and don't grumble about it. You Because all of it is testifying to everyone around you what your faith is. Yes. You get to tell that story whether you're talking specifically about that story or not. Now, I want to tell you a small, super short, this is story time with Preacher Man, but it's a short one because this is the first time, uh, and I was a pastor, so out there, if you think your pastor knows everything, can I assure you that he's learning uh, literally <laughs> on the job, as they say? So 2014, our community struck by a tornado. I'm standing in the parking lot that the next day. I have no idea what to do. The only thing I, I recognize, and it's, I'm, not, I'm not in the parking lot meditating and, and hearing the voice of the Lord speak. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to figure, well, what do you do in a situation like this? And the only thing that strikes me is that I'm standing in the parking lot of my church and I could throw a baseball. That's how far I am from total destruction. But there's not anything wrong with my church. There's no building damage. There's no, my power is still on, for, uh, which is crazy. There's no, nothing wrong. And I, I, I want to know, what are you supposed to do? Long story short, we have a relief crew from Virginia that comes, and they literally camp out in our church gym, and they bring a huge diesel generator and all these tools to help people recover. And as soon as they have arrived, they crank up their diesel generator. And if you've never been around one, they're loud, uh, okay? <laughs> and so there's this loud noise that in any normal circumstance would get the city called on you for noise violations, okay? It's just noisy. And then we have a food service uh, relief company, well, not company, but a relief group come out of Texas And so by the end of this experience, I've got a whole team of people sleeping in the gym, showering in their shower trailer, and I've got this food thing, and we're feeding hundreds of people lunch and dinner every day out of this parking lot. And the whole time, I'm telling you, 24-7 is this banging, clanging diesel generator that, again, in any normal circumstance, you would call the police or you would call the city and be like, I don't know what my neighbor is running in their backyard. (laughs) but I can't sleep because of it, all right? The day that crew had to leave, the day that everyone was leaving the parking lot, 
what could be done was done. Rain was moving in and they weren't going to be able to work anymore. The machinery was going to get stuck in the mud and everything. The last thing they did was cut that generator off. And when they cut the generator off, I immediately looked at someone and said, it's too quiet now. See, something that you had to turn on became something that I needed to hear. It became something I wanted to be a part. It was somehow that echoey clang was a reminder of what we were doing. Well, some of us don't have any of the noise of good working for God in our life. We don't have that clanging and banging of looking for God and joining him where he's at work in our communities or listening for him in and amongst all of the noise that is in our life. We don't have that. So we can't even recognize that it's missing. Yes. But if you will get involved in a place and begin to see that David wasn't lying in the very beginning of the longest psalm of them all, Psalm 119 in verse 2, uh, when he says, blessed are those who keep his statutes. In other words, blessings fall upon those who just do what he asks. Blessed are they, they who seek after him with their whole heart. You know, that noise reminds me of, of just being the noise of being in the midst of working for the Lord and then how deafeningly silent it was when it was turned off. And so the end of that story is that months and months later, the same relief crew wanted to return to our little community and rebuild someone's house for free uh, who, that had been destroyed completely by the, uh, by the tornado. And one of the most exciting things for me when they got there was turning on the generator. That's awesome. Now, why, 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 why what's that matter? Because that thing that you had to have became, we get to hear it now. You know, it changed. Something good have to, is happening. to get to because that yes. noise meant something good. Okay. You have to do all these things in your life. You feel like, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to spiritualize it like name some discipleship thing because it can be a wife who is making dinner tonight. Yes. Or it can be a father who is changing the diaper. It can be anything, but if you're feeling that have to, I just really wish that there was a, a, a an easy way, and there is, but I, I don't know that I'm capable of doing it through here, a way to just let you be still for a minute and say, no, this isn't a, something I have to do because I could walk away from it. There's nothing in your life that you actually couldn't walk away from. You're getting to do that right now. Absolutely. So young mother, young father, you get to do that stuff. And can you assure me, I'm old enough to tell you, they don't stay little. And so I know all the headaches. I, I was there. I did it. Um, they, don't, they don't stay that way, though. So for now, in this time, you get to change diapers, and you get to pick out the clothes, and you get to... Townsend was even talking about... Uh, we, we, we restarted things last Sunday, which is why some of what she's mentioned so far. But uh, we restarted our small groups in the morning, and the preschoolers were singing songs uh, <laughs> Sunday. And literally before I hit record and forgot to turn her mic up, she was talking about uh, one of the songs that they learned that she had heard now only three or four days past Sunday. Maybe she'd heard it 15,000 times, she said. Uh, yeah, but she gets to hear it. Yes, there was a post that I just saw on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. It was shared back from 2020, but it was a lady talking about that when she feels so frustrated with 
her children. Mm-hmm. She fills her sink and washes their hands and feet. And it was an advice given from one of the mamas in the group that she was involved in. And she sat there, she soaked in that wisdom, and she was talking about how Jesus had come here and washed the feet of his disciples. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about her kids, how they're outside playing, their little feet and their little hands are so dirty. And so when she's feeling so frustrated with the world, she washes their feet. Mm -hmm. And so it just brings everything to light. It lets her see her little children for who they are. Mm -hmm. And the thought occurred to me like, what if I treated every human like that? Like yeah. when I was really, really aggravated, if I just carried around my little wash pan, I was like, okay, here we go, you know? But we can we can do that without like really creeping someone out if we just let our minds go there. Mm-hmm. We're using this moment to work for Jesus. When I have patients that don't understand their treatment plans after the 50th time, when you have children who are driving you insane at school because they have no regard for the time you've put in, mm-hmm. wh- whatever your job is out there, you've got people who don't get it, who don't care to get it. But in that moment, if we break ourselves down and do what Jesus called us to do, wash their feet, whether it's metaphorically or we actually offer to do it, um, you know, it just literally brings everything back to to the, the way God intended it to be. Yeah. And I thought that is just a really cool way to think about it. And I've tried to really start having that mindset with my own child. Right. Well, you know, and but it, and I, <laughs> I, I've said before, you can't give somebody something they don't have hands to hold. You can't. You don't understand because she's little. Right. See, I got a 19 year old, and I've got two that turned 16. And when I hand them car keys, I know because of the 19 year old, bye. They're gone. Yes. So when I see them running around and I under, I remember the frustration. I'm like, oof, you know, the constant crying or I've had twice. I had a, I had just a sweet guy, dad of a little one call me wanting to ask something. And we're talking for maybe five minutes and it's just blood curdling back in the background. And so I, you know, I could tell that he's, he would start to say something and get distracted because of the noise. And I said, Hey, you want to call me back when that's over? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. I've been there, you know, but we try, you know, we try to push through something like that because, oh, oh, I'm supposed to have it handled. No, you're not. There's no law going and loving that child because they have a problem. There's no, you don't, you don't have to not do it because you're on the phone with me. That's real dumb. Absolutely. Okay. And the same thing is true. You want to freak somebody out when you go to a restaurant and you have the willingness to do it. Tell them that you're going to pray. And that you would like to know if you could pray for them. Or 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 I, I freaked a lady out one time. My wife and I were on a lunch date, and I just asked the lady when she came, I said, are you having a good day or a bad day today? And she just looked at me like I was some kind of weirdo. And she said, do you really want to know? And I said, well, I'm not in the habit of asking questions I don't want an answer to. And so we just had like a 10-minute conversation, and she's a single mother, and she was struggling because she was trying to get back in community college. And I don't do I need to know that stuff about this lady? Actually, I just need you to bring my sandwich. That's yes, what we think. but then we say, hey, how are you? But we actually don't mean answer it. We right. say, hey, how are you? For you to say, good, how are you? Good, okay, and you walk away. But when I learn to yes. get, I get to have a relationship with that person, even if yes. it's short term, and I get to have an influence on that person. And, you know, I, I'm... God is who's to say what she went and did with that afterwards. Right. I mean, she she then felt like she could take on the world because someone cared for five yes. minutes. And you get I know I'm, this isn't guilt on uh, Townsend because every parent, every parent thinks what you thought about the singing. You know, it's like, yes, learn another one, learn another one. Learn. <laughs> I know. I understand. But you get to hear that until you don't. Yeah. And then you don't. And so while you can, you get to not you have to. 
You don't have to hear that song. You could turn around and smack her. You could tell her to hush. You could give her uh, a, a technology distraction device. You know, you could do other things. Or you could see that I get to enjoy this for now because yeah. nothing lasts, nothing. That's why, you know, Solomon said everything has a season. And so sometimes I know I was so guilty of this. I was in such a rush to get to the next season that I missed what was growing in the one I was a part of. Because I thought you had to do certain things. No, yes. we get to be a part of so many things and we we struggle. I know you're out there struggling to do it. I know that it's hard. I know that it's a challenge, but you need to. So you might ask, okay, well, then how do I move from that? And I don't want it to sound simple or trite, but you have to learn to fall in love with what you were made to be. Yes, you, absolutely. If you realize you were made to be a servant, if you stop trying to fight against that, you know, I don't mind that. Sometimes we try to dance around the fact that the Bible says I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I don't care. Yes, that's exactly what I am. I do what he tells me to do. And commit your work to the Lord. Then he establishes your plans. He right. makes it to where you are able to prioritize things that no longer drain you dry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I'm speaking from experience. You can try to do every good thing out there. I wasn't some evil person before. Mm-hmm. I just had no clue of exactly what I was supposed to be doing because I didn't talk to him about it all the time. And now I don't feel myself being drained dry near as often. Yeah. Well, because when he's first, everything falls in line. Yep. And when he's at the back of the line, the line falls apart. The big rocks in first. There you that's go. That's right. So, guys, I hope that's. I. I you know what? Here at the end, uh, we're going to be here next week. It's not like it's done and over with. It wasn't a one year experience uh, experiment, but we're coming to the end of one year's worth of conversations. And I hope that you're leaving with this one, not uh, totally separate from the rest of the other fifty, whatever. It can do the math real fast. Fifty one of them. Um. Can I just encourage you that the Bible says to you, you are given the privilege of walking in love. And what that means is I get to be loving everywhere I go. You get to do this stuff. And if you would actually give conscious thought to that, I swear to you, I know it to be true. Your outlook on your whole life starts to change. Amen. And Townsend's already told you, it is not a finger snap and all done. It's not Thanos snapping his finger and it's, you know, just fixed. Boop. You may be uh, I mean, if it, 52 I was of season say. two before you've really seen a difference because that's, that's how enough. it was for me. And if I'm if I'm wrong, because I, I can't, God does not live in a box. So if, if you're like, nope, I, I actually applied that for 20 minutes yesterday, uh, the next day and it was over with. I just was happy. That's amazing. I need you to be a guest because I, I want say, to hear you're that. you're the one we want to call. Absolutely. Absolutely. But... We were made for the chance to walk according to what he desires. Yes. That's why we were made. That's why for the freedom of Christ, we were set free by Christ. So Amen. I just encourage you. That's why I have ended almost, I think, every one of these by telling you that you have a mission every time we end our time together. Be kind to someone. Love because you've been loved. That is a get-to thing. And all of the hate and wickedness and ugliness that's going on in the world and all of the media stuff that just saturates every minute of our attention, you want to take it back? Be kind. That cannot be stopped. Absolutely. It can only be quit. And that's what I'm afraid we've been in the habit of doing. So we got to pick it up and take it back. So I'll tell you one more time. For the last time in season one, thank you for being here and being a sharer of our of our conversations and a citizen of our listener land. Thank you for reaching out and giving us topics that are scribbled down here on my paper. Thank you for interacting with us in whatever way you have. I encourage you to do that and do it all the more. 
But most of all, I encourage you when you click stop on this podcast that you find some way to be kind to someone in your daily life because of the kindness Christ has shown you. Until we see you for episode one of season two, I'm Preacher Man, and that's Townsend, and here we are saying goodbye, everybody. Bye, y'all. See you next time. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>